Major Crush, Episode 5, The Indigene Interview. You know, Meredith, it's so awesome when special people show up in our lives. And, you know, we've, we, we have so many great friends. And, golly, the ability to add Raymond Smith to our new friendship list. Such a special guy. Such, not just did we absolutely fall in love with his wines and we're totally crushing on pretty much every wine he Oh poured, my gosh. But we were totally crushing on him as a person. Sweet man. I think the name of his cellars, Indigene, expression of nature, couldn't be more fitting yeah. for who he is as a person. Grapes on the mind. Yeah. He's got grapes on the mind. Indigene. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Meredith Griffin and my buddy Lou Zant, and welcome to another episode of Season 3 of Major Crush. Um, we still have Josh Martin is here because we're still out in Paso hanging out, so he's our featured guest as you've heard in our Paso series. And we are sitting outside on this glorious day in what Paso. What a beautiful day. Oh my gosh. It? So you may hear some ambient outside noise just because we have to be outside. And we are so honored to be able to have time today to be here to, at Indigene Cellars, and we're speaking with Raymond Smith, and he has such an interesting story, and we're here for him to share his story and talk about his wine. So, Raymond, thank you so much for taking thank time you. to be yeah, here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks All for right. being here. Thanks yes. for having me. Yeah. yeah. Great to meet you. And, you know, where we always like to start is, how did you get into wine? I mean, that's, that's the first question. Yeah. Um, I had friends in Paso Robles area, Cayucas and Morro Bay. And uh, after I got out of college, I came out to the San Luis Obispo County looking for a job. And um, as I was looking, and uh, uh, it didn't go as fast as I thought, uh, the entry-level jobs out here were uh, working at a prison or working in the wine industry. To support myself while I was looking around, I started working at one of the older wineries out here, Archiero Winery. Okay. Which, okay. And that yeah. was back in 89. Oh, wow. So. Okay. How many wineries were here? In that in the I think right around 12. Wow, right that's 12. Right. Right. Talk about yeah. the growing uh, environment. Yeah. So it just exploded, yeah, for sure. For sure. Wow. And so what? Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Oakland, Oakland, California. Oakland, so that's right. Far. I'm reading that. Not yeah. too right. far away. Right, right. And so, I'm so a what was your first gig that you jumped into? Uh, here or? In, yeah, in here. In here in was at Archero Winery. What uh, were you doing? Yeah. Just um, I was the barrel guy and I worked in bottling. So okay. my expertise was wine bottling, and uh, I worked in the barrel area because you could kind of, it was cool always in the area, That's the temperature true. was cool, and you could work by yourself at your own pace. That's they true. give you a task to do, and you had a month to get it done, so, oh. yeah. so it worked out great. Okay. Great. So great. I'm curious, what kind of task, like in the cellar, what would be a example. I, I think everyone likes to know what happens behind the scenes. Right, right, right. Well, in bottling, they would give you a, a sheet a month to let you know what wines had to get bottled um, uh, within that month. And then you would coordinate with the winemaker and um, um, see if you could get the wines blended, filtered, and bottled on schedule. And they give you a month because that was a uh, 
uh, always a time that you would have a cushion for hiccups, things that would go wrong with the wine or filtration issues or things of that nature. Okay, I wonder uh, why a month. That right. seems the one common thing in bottling is that they're always, you gotta almost plan for those because right, it exactly. seems like there's gonna be something that comes up during Right, bottling. if it's going to be productive, then you, you'd be smart to, to <laughs> put, put a cushion in there for everybody. <laughs> so here's my question, your first bottling, how many cases did you have to do? Uh, at Archero, they did uh, 1,500 cases in a day. Oh you know? my gosh. So, wow. So that was uh, pretty much the norm at that you time. You didn't have to lift those cases off the bottle. <laughs> That's how I started. Uh, oh. pallets, yeah. That's backbreaking. Pallets, yeah. I, did it, I did it one day and I had to put my wrist in a, in a uh, cast. <laughs> right, right. It was so sore. Right. I think at Archero, there was a ton of good artists that are in this area and a lot of them uh, surprisingly started at Archero. You always hear that, you right. know, and the great stories. And what is it about the wine industry? I wonder where you, doesn't matter where you start, you just never leave. It just draws you in. Well, there's a romance to the wine industry. And then not only that, in the Paso Robles area, the unique part about it that I noticed right away is that in this industry, um, especially back in the 90s, if there is a problem and it needs to be fixed, the guys in the wine business are the first to help you. It, you know, even though they're your competition, they're the first to help you. The camaraderie. Right. That exactly. Exists. Exactly. So that's uh, something that that draw me to that that it was different from where I grew up and competitions between other businesses uh, in the Bay Area compared to here were entirely different. Mm -hmm. so. It's so, and someone we interviewed yesterday talked about that too. That that still exists. It in still Paso, exists. And they right. feel like Paso is really unique to some other wine right. countries. Right. I, I went around and visited a hundred wineries a year. For right. Several years, taking people on tours, and I, I would come back and and tell my friends and Sonia like this this community is beautiful right you know if you needed a couple of barrels I'd loan a and then right next thing you know you'd call me and say Lou I'm spraying down on the on my vines you want me to hit yours and, right you know hey Raymond have you got a little extra space in a tank I'm, right. I'm over for a minute you know right and it's just beautiful and by the way what I love too with this onslaught of tasting rooms I go I'll say at the end of the day hey, have you tried Raymond's uh on Janae, uh, wines go. It's right down there. Go taste his. Right, yeah. right. You know, right. Yeah. And that's that. rampant here now. Um, mm -hmm. I usually, especially in this area, go around and taste frequently here, just to be able to offer wines that I don't offer and be able to suggest. Mm -hmm. It makes my tasting room and me look better if I can make suggestions 100%. that I don't have, and it looks like I know a lot more about the area than I actually do. So no, <laughs> that's awesome. Right. right. Well, so that's where you started, but then where, I know, well, now you have your own winery, but there are a few steps in between okay. there too, okay. right? Yeah, uh, so so another uh, job that I had was barrel, but the bottling aspect, I met a couple of guys a few years after I worked there who uh, wanted to start a mobile wine bottling company. Okay. And uh, since my expertise was bottling, uh, we got together and uh, formed this mobile bottling company um, and started off. It's pretty much the same aspect as bottling at the winery. It's just all in a 52-foot trailer. So you just drive around from winery to winery and um, uh, actually bottle and custom label their wines. So uh, I was the one who had the know-how and these guys had um, the every other 
mm-hmm. uh, thing. So um, um, we traveled around. The first year was some hiccups, but it worked out really good. The second year worked out so good that we were able to uh, put the money back into the company and buy new state-of-the-art trucks. Oh, wow. And um, um, by the third year, um, unfortunately, uh, the, the business had doubled in production, but I was in the window of still making the same money, and that was one of the things that didn't work out great. So mm-hmm. um, we kind of sat down and, and made an agreement where I would train an employee for them uh, I would take one of the older trucks, retool it, and start my own business and go out on my own. And um, that's what we did. And it worked out great. Uh, non-competition clause with, okay. with all the wineries that we worked with. But okay. um, mm-hmm. uh, I still had relationships that I had uh, made you know, throughout the area mm-hmm. just from reputation. So mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, their company didn't last long. And um, just like we were saying about Paso Robles, the farm credit out here made it easy for me to go right in there and pick up those assets oh. because they didn't want to own a bottling line. And gotcha. I had some expertise with it. So well, that's such a great little yeah. karma, right. karma yeah. story. And I right. think what's interesting, because I don't think everyone necessarily knows, a lot of times the cost of having for a winery, especially if you're a small winery, to have right. your own bottling Right. On site, it's right. quite a cost. So the mold—that's where the mobile right. bottling comes. Well, in. well, yeah. A bottling line could be eight hundred to a million dollars. Eight hundred thousand yeah. yeah, to a million dollars easy. And, and so, which means it'll probably be your great, 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 great grandkids <laughs> that make it pay for itself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then a small winery, as the years go on, and you're ready to uh, to progress and and make the winery bigger. Uh, you start looking at this bottling line that you have that's expensive that you only use for four times a year yeah. possibly and it's in the way of you know another hundred barrels or or something that you could use that space for so it just makes right. more sense to have a truck come in uh, get the bottling done and disappear it's so. such a genius I didn't realize that until I moved out here and I yeah. was working at a winery and yeah. they said oh bottling happens tomorrow and I, was like, and I walk up and there's this big truck right. and right. it's quite a production it's right. really about 92% of the wineries use mobile bottling is it, is it that wow right. 92 wow. Yeah. I was wondering because everybody that's been telling me I'm, I'm about to get a winery and they're all saying like one of the first things you say is you don't want to get into bottling. You no. do not want to get into no. bottling. I mean, it's the big warning. No, that's uh, unique, and the expertise of mechanics uh, to be able to to uh, counsel guys, uh, to be able to make winemakers comfortable with uh, with your equipment and, and how it's going to go, and to be able to assure them not to worry because you get two years of making a great wine, and then you have to let it go and let these guys handle it and. You know, make sure everything goes right. It's nerve-wracking. It's your baby. Uh, right. That's <laughs> your baby you yeah, fostered. And that, and yeah, and really that's the final step before, you know, it gets to the consumer. It's like if you if something goes wrong on that last leg, like that's... that's yeah, you offer all of that work. Yeah. 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 yeah, I know usually the winemakers are, well, at least the winery, they'd be there the day their wine was being bottled just to make sure and oversee what yep. was happening. So you're doing the uh, mobile bottling, and then what? What prompted starting your own winery in, in Indigenous? I have, I, for people out there, it's think Indigenous, but just say A at the end. Right, <laughs> right, right. So um, um, to be in this area, it's more of a tighter community, mm-hmm. and everybody in the wine business is either making wine or or selling wine or something. So I was always making wines to provide a better service as a mobile bottler, you know, to be the, oh, okay. 
winemaker's bottler. I, I knew if there are certain issues that happen mm. with the wine where we have to make adjustments, I want to be able to Smart. suggest that adjustment okay. to the winemaker. Smart. Even if he knew it, he would know right away, well, this is going to be my bottler because this guy knows even before I explain to him what he needs to do because of this issue, so you know. smart, right, putting right. yourself in their shoes. Right. And in that, I always join the uh, amateur wine competitions because, you know, Might a lot well. of, right, and a lot of these wines were, were made from, from uh, information and suggestions that I got from winemakers all over California, you know, and a lot of times there would be guys that, if you um you see these guys two or three times a year you know so in the second time you know of the year i would sit down and say hey you know um i love this wine but i think you got a little spice uh that you're lacking a little spice uh, they have these hungarian barrels that would add spice i got a few extra i'm going to give you this barrel for a hundred dollars i need you to put this wine in it and come back next year and let's taste this wine again and see no if you know way. so my whole life was like that even at the winery uh, the, the Galantes more likely than everybody were some that were instrumental in me uh, with a lot of my wine knowledge and a lot of my wine experience how cool is right. it's the right. wine community so I was more of a microcosm of California wineries in a whole because almost everybody once they know that you want to know and once they know that you're humble enough to say that you don't know yeah. then they have an overwhelming amount of information that's right yeah. that's right oh, and boy I'll tell you what you know I'm a gigantic fan of Jack Galante's right. wines right he, he and both he and Don's wines are so right. good right what attracted me to those guys most of all was you know I, I I started bottling for him early, mm -hmm. and the first couple of bottlings going out of town were pretty rough, you know, and I noticed the same pattern of stress and people uh, unhappy with some aspects of the bottling, but you make it through. Uh, when there was problems at Galante, this guy was pretty much, if there's a problem, then we're going to fix it. If there's a problem that consists, then we're going to have a steak and a beer and fix it tomorrow. And it was nothing <laughs> about being That's a Jack. He always had the patience and, oh, and a great wow. guy. He's That's such a great guy. I, and, and God bless you for trying to get the mobile bottler up to his place. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. That's like a, yeah. I mean, you better have angels on your shoulders driving yeah. up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but to be honest, uh, I was just the lead truck. I was never driving that oh, truck. Oh, good. <laughs> I love to take that credit, but no. Okay. No, yeah, I'm a professional else. driver who's great at that, and me, I just drove the car in front. So. <laughs> God right. bless that driver, because right. that's a brutal, brutal road up to his place. Right. So when you were first started making your own wine, uh, did you have the label Indigene, and how much were you making initially? And no, no? Um, okay. um, like I said, I was doing a lot of amateur winemaking, and the, the even the whole idea, I think, more so was instrumental from Jack Galante was than that? anybody else. Oh, yeah, cool. he was always uh, one of the guys who was making suggestions for me. And over the years, I noticed it started to transition from you know, hey, you ought to do this to hey, you need to be making wine. You know, the bottling yeah. thing's over for you. You, you yeah. know, and wow, and I went from wherein was I doing a good job for him to uh, just understanding more about the art and, you know, him just just trying to uh, give a guy a, a chance to be able to make his expression of, of winemaking. So he that's believed Jack. in me before. Yeah, 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 that's before. beautiful. So, so yeah, um, he so actually, uh, at that time, um, 
um, they didn't allow alternating proprietorships in Monterey County. And this is still when I was bottling for him. He had a team of lawyers and he went to bat, you know, against the county to say, hey, you know, I want an alternating proprietorship in my winery and I want Raymond in my winery. So that's actually how it all happened. Is it was wow. Jack oh, Yeah, he put me on I the wonder, map. He's such a big fan of yours. I mean, yeah. he just, Lou, you've got to meet Raymond. And Solid you. guy. Yeah. Solid palm for palm. One I of the best guys in the industry. We've got to meet Jack. Yeah. 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 So yeah. meet Jack. Yeah. We, we, we don't know Jack. And listeners, you right. will meet Jack uh, our next trip uh, here in a couple right. of weeks. We're going to hook up with Jack. Right. Oh, so one God. of the most instrumental parts of me getting into the winemaking part was Jack Galante. Yeah, he believed in me and my winemaking way before I did, wow. actually. It's very yeah. What an honor. Yeah. Now, That's do you have a favorite grape? Uh, I'm a Cabernet guy. You, you, know, you know what I mean? That There was always Cabernets in Napa Valley, you know, and then there's Cabernets everywhere, and it's one of those grapes that, you know, I know that it's unique to terroir. So yeah. it's kind of like flavor profiles are entirely different from area to area. So and, different. Right. And so mm -hmm. it gives you more options to, to be able to get out your expression of wine, you know, in the areas that you are. Or if not, if this is not your expression, then you could move or buy grapes from another area and be able to express that terroir. So let's talk about what does indigene mean? Or right. Or where, why did you come up with that name? Probably. Right. With a unique um, opportunity to be able to taste wines from everywhere, I wanted to be able to express uh, wines by terroir instead of just making my... my uh, Right, right, yeah. right. So, so I got a couple of Pinots from different areas, a couple of Cabernets mm -hmm. from different areas, a couple of Syrahs from different areas. So it's more of a... Uh, uh, expression, expression of nature is yeah. what indigene means. And, and, I uh, love that. Right, so. Expression of nature. Right. Oh, I really right. like and that. And that's yeah. really what wine, you know, we were talking, someone else we were talking about how they really just like, it's kind of that philosophy, don't, don't do anything, let the grapes express uh, what they want to express. And, and when we were in school, yeah. like it was kind of weird, it was almost, you know, like the way they emphasize terroir, terroir, terroir. You know, I, right. being a being a newbie, I was kind of going, man, they're really talking a lot about terroir. Right. But it, and once you understand it, it's all that's what it's all about. Right, yeah. right. So I think if you uh, made two different cabernets from do two different areas, and you notice the different flavor profiles and distinction, you could either a go along with that flavor profile or B, try your expertise to change it. And that's where you can get into destroying a bunch of great wine. Yeah. And, and I have a reputation for destroying wines in my young career. There you go. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but at the end of the day, that's the only way you learn. Right, exactly. You gotta, exactly. You gotta make those mistakes and then learn from that. And that's and yeah, I wish it was free mistakes though. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. true. Right. Yeah, yeah. Your, your PhDs are very expensive. Right. Uh, right. Getting a PhD on how not to do it is even more expensive. We're, we've been talking yesterday a lot about, you know, the limestone soil and how, you know, because we were going, Meredith and I were, especially because we live in Sonoma, we've been doing a lot of uh, research in the Sonoma Napa area, of course, right. and then you get down here and you drink the same varietal, right. cab, right. but with the, with the expressions that are coming out of the limestone, predominant soil, the acidity was just so much higher and brighter. Right. And, yeah. You know, different pHs. Right. And it's a completely different glass exactly. of wine. I've always believed that the vineyard 
with the weather patterns and the soil compositions, you know, create a grape from the vine and it's like a story. And then it's your responsibility to take those grapes and just add to the end of that story with your expertise. I love you know, so. I love that. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna... That'd be a good name for to the end yeah. of the story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or my side of the story. Right. You know. Our listeners know I love Italian varietals, and I do notice that you have a couple. You have a Tuscan blend, you have a Sangiovese. Right. What led you to do right. some Tuscan yeah, varietals? Yeah, where did you find You're speaking my language right, right. there. Well, Archiero was Italian guys, you oh. know, so my start oh, okay. was in Tuscan wines. Um, okay. And then I noticed no matter what area, there's always one or two guys who are really quirky and specific about Italian varietals. So I had... Uh, Solis and Gilroy, you know, which was not an area known for Sangiovese, but they make really good uh, uh, Italian varieties. Really, up in up in Gilroy? Right, right, right. Uh, Does it have any garlic? Uh? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, that's just the smell that's in your clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of different. I could I could tell you all day stories about guys who made Italian wines or Italian style wines, uh, uh, Sangiovese based that were. Were, were unique and and um, their expressions were are always like present in my head because of something unique that they did. Well, right. it's I love Sangiovese. You do I, too, don't I, you? I, yeah. Any Italian varietal. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's get down to uh, business now. The the important stuff. Well, we're going to try some of this wine we've been okay. talking about. Um, what do you? And as we try the wine, I want to also. Uh, how do you tell us a little bit about the meaning behind the label, too? Okay, okay. Um, as a bottler and then starting uh, the winery right in the middle of the bottling career, um, at, uh, so I would leave Sunday and a lot of times don't come back until Friday. Yeah. And uh, I was explaining to my daughter, who was really young at that time, that um, when we started the new winery, uh, I may not come home until Saturday because uh, after bottling, I have something else to do with the new winery. And she said, you know, that's all you really think about is grapes and wine. That's all that's in your head. And we wrote it out with a crayon, and I had a buddy kind of digitize the picture that we wrote out. And that is a free uh, expression of her idea of me just being out of town and away from home all the time. And always grapes in your mind. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I like it. I was really... I've trying to read into it. I would right. never come <laughs> up with that. I've got right. grapes on my mind. That's right. what it says. Right. Oh, I love that. That's so great. It's a yeah, beautiful we'll have, label. We'll have, there'll be, I'm sure there'll be a picture of this on our, uh, in the show notes and we'll make sure so people can see your label. All right. So we love the labels and I wonder what this juice tastes like, Meredith. Yeah. So what do you, tell us about what you're pouring for us All right. now. So the philanthropist blend is, uh, Usually a cat based blend. It's uh, from a couple of different terroirs, depending on uh, what's tasting good that year. And it's a blend that we do 100% goes to charity. That's the name, oh. Philanthropist. Oh, neat. Oh, oh I love cool. that. Right. Cool. What right. a fantastic idea. Right. This year was 68 cap, 20 petite Syrah, 12 petite Verdot. What year was it, I'm sorry? Yeah, that's uh, 17. Oh, boy, the nose. Smell this, Meredith. Oh. That's exactly how I oh, wow. love a wine to smell. Right. 
So sixty-eight Cabernet. Cab. Right. Your, that's your grade. Right. Right. Twenty Petit Syrah. So it's a, a alternative Bordeaux blend. Uh, yeah. Petit Syrah is not Bordeaux, so yeah. I would get jumped on calling that a Bordeaux blend, but it's a uh, California Bordeaux. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, Meritage now. Right. Yeah, yeah, we could call it a Meritage. Yeah. Wow. You want to have the um, the big asset style. So if you added Melbeck, that would make it an easy transition from fruit forward to mid palate. But if you keep, if you add Petit Syrah, it'll keep the acid high and still give you the flesh oh, for a fleshy mid palate. So oh I love that God. explanation because right. I think it's so interesting when you talk about blending grapes and why you choose to add Petit Syrah right. or Malbec because of the characteristics it gives. Okay, and then what's what's that one you got in your hand there? Um, this one is an estate Cabernet, and mm. this was from um, um, from the area. It's usually the same area every year, usually Carmel oh. Valley, and that is uh, one of the <coughs> ones that I'm more known for, that style of Cabernet, which is unique in California. The most Eastern Bordeaux style of making wine, I yeah. think, in North America. The big high acids, low alcohols, and wines that are beautiful now, but will change into something unique and beautiful in 15 years, and ready to drink now, but really ready to drink in 15 years. But I'm excited yeah. about it that. It ages well, yeah. We're yeah. getting a lot of the big jammy tannic right. uh, wines up there. Right. This but philanthropist. You know how I love the uh, olfactory? Uh-huh. And it, when I, uh, to me, a great wine is, and remember our instructors would say, how long do you, do you have it on your, on your, what oh, it would be, your, yeah. your olfactory how response? How long does it stay with right. you? How long does it stay with you? This I took one sip. It's been at least three or four minutes, and I'm still digging this. And oh it's my yeah. favorite feeling, right. that whatever that is. Right. I love that. You, and yeah, I mean, it's really, really complex. Yeah, right. really exploring that finish. There's, there's just so much, so much there. Right. I mean, and you can keep smelling it. I keep getting a different aromas and right. different smells. Mm. Definitely that dark fruit. Right. right. I'm going to give to that charity. Which, which, yeah. <laughs> what charity was this one? Uh, it changes every quarter. It does. And uh, this quarter is a place in San Francisco called the Old School Cafe. It's a, uh, right, right. Oh, that's our ones. very good friends. Yeah. I was just contracting, contracting for a winery in San Francisco and thought I would look around and see if I could sell some wines to a restaurant and that's how I met her. Just cold calling her and uh, came to show her some wines and try to make a sale and sat down and heard her story and and everything changed now we have a relationship she's a terrific yeah, she's had woman. the kids out at the winery for harvest and oh, i get good, a chance to good. talk to them because i'm from the bay area so yeah. a lot of these guys are just you know wayward kids that that had some struggles but you know they're organically just like me guys about her program and about this charity by the way and we will put a link on the on this podcast to that charity right if you feel compelled but what what Raymond's talking about is she'll take kids and and like bring them into the restaurant right. and they learn everything from hosting right to right. sous chef right to even a chef right now they're going to go in and learn uh, harvesting uh, grapes right wa wine making right Right, uh, right, right. And then they go, well, Mr. Raymond, you you do bottling. Um, what tell us about bottling? You know, and who knows? Right. These kids can have these careers that they never dreamt about. Yeah, they yeah. don't even know exist. I mean, yeah, I think Teresa wanted to wanted these kids to see somebody 
who came from where they came from. Uh, yeah, because I, I literally came from the same streets that they came from. You did. You know, uh, and probably did the same wrong things that they did too. Not you. Know, at, um, <laughs> no, the way, the, way we like say, the way we like to say it is right. we may or may not have done some of the right, same things. Right, right, okay, well you say it how you want. I just, yeah, 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 so, so, and it worked out great because, you know, they're good kids and, you know, you get to see their insides and, and then they warm up to you after a while and one thing that was way over their head, they kind of get to to have the understanding, this guy's just like me. This guy d was from the same places that I was from. This mm -hmm. guy did the same things that I did, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, when I come to the restaurant, I'm able to sit down and talk to the kids and, you know, with, with guys that are there trying to sell them wines and say, you know, this Chardonnay is probably at the price point you need. You're lacking Chardonnay on your menu, but also you taste this wine, it's kind of colder than it should be. Therefore, there may be something that this, this wine's hiding that's really a bad off character Great and they would never coaching. know. Right, right, right. So, so, you know, it's a program and she's intense on it. She's intense and, you know, it, the, the whole thing started, I think, because she worked out of prison in yeah. L.A. Yep. and she was very uncomfortable with the recidivism rate, you, you know, yeah. and, and she was just one of those people who was thinking, I have to do something and quit her job and just started this program organically out of her apartment when it first started. I don't know if you guys knew that. And then, Well, so this, this should be a huge, people. huge conversation on all the new reformation yeah. that's going on. I mean, yeah. the, everybody wants to reform the system. Right. And it's stuck. It's right. been very stuck. And right everything else but I don't you know we've got to come up with these yeah. programs yeah. in a microcosm I think she's reformed her part of the system because too, yeah. she was just a prison guard you know yeah. what I mean and, and she went that from you know she's churning out these kids I've been at that restaurant before and saw kids coming in that went through her program that are you know professional chefs all over yeah. the United States now yeah. you know so it's a great story from start to finish She's yeah doing, we need more people doing instead yeah. of saying sure. we need to do for sure for sure I'm totally crushing on the philanthropist Ooh, it's fantastic and the fact that the money's all the money's from this go to charity so right. what uh, you mentioned there are a couple other charities right. that right California Youth Connection is an advocacy for foster care kids. It's oh a boy. chapter in every county Breaking in California. Uh, they try to make issues into laws that would affect foster kids and mm. ones that we wouldn't know because we have never I been I know. You kids. don't know what you don't know about right, fostering. Right. And yeah. then the Boys and Girls Club, a lot of times the Boys and Girls Club gets um, $20 per child for eight months. No government subsidy, no anything. Everything is private donation. Wow. So. And then they have programs like uh, Smart Girls, where the kids that went to the Boys and Girls Club that had le left, went to college, and they have their own careers come back. And then they, um, they tutor kids at the Boys and Girls Beautiful. Club. Yeah. Hour later, they take all the girls into a private room, and they talk to them about boys, drugs, feminine hygiene, yeah. you know, all the things that, you know, guys mom, like me would struggle would talk, with right would would talk to their daughters right about. right 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 yeah. so so um you, you know i benefited tremendously from the boys and girls club mm -hmm. you, you know and for that to just be twenty dollars for all of that you, yeah. you know what i mean that's unique so boys and girls club a safe place is the battered women's shelter in oakland there's only one, yeah. and, there's only one. right and it's so big that they have a battered men's division wow. you, you know wow. so so wow. Yeah, so there's a couple, and yeah, then we're always needed. looking for new charities yeah. too. So, mm -hmm. so I have a couple of people who kind of blog and 
and uh, and also they look around for different causes that we could reach in the area. Usually, can you places even make enough of this wine. Yeah, you, you yeah. can't. But but I want to do as just as much information about the cause as money, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, somewhere awareness. where we could see where our money's going. What should we try next? This I think uh, the Abiante, while we're doing blends, this is another non-traditional blend. It's that, that one right there. Abiante. Right. And um, it is Sangiovese, Melbeck, and Merlot, which oh. makes it wow. right, another oh. non-traditional blend. It's uh, uh, usually the, the, uh, the Super Tuscans are Signe style, Sangiovese. You pull off a certain amount of juice and add Cabernet, and that makes it the Super Tuscan. Um, Sangiovese being one of the more regulated wines of what you can and can't do to be able to call it on the label. Uh, I did fully fermented Sangiovese and blended it with fully fermented oh, Melbeck and uh, fully fermented Merlot. And oh that blend made big bright fruit of Sangiovese and then smooth transition to the fleshy Melbeck on the mid palate and then smooth transition to Merlot to add that chalk and tannin finish. Yeah, it's got so the chalk tannin oh. finish. Right. Again, I'm right. Wow. I always get, sometimes I just like to smell because right. it smells Me so too. good. So what, uh, along with, uh, with Jack, there's about four other guys who were really instrumental in my winemaking career. And every one of them did something that was uh, kind of uh, on the other side of the winemaking process. And I was able to do every one of those wrong things in this wine. So Abiante translates to entourage from a tie oh, yeah. so it's kind of like a tribute to guys who helped me out a lot in my career. Oh, I, I love, love that. that. Yeah, so that's the Abiante blend. We now, is this the one that got some ridiculous score here right, recently? Right, that is, um, it was double gold at the, um, the uh, Chronicle, the Central Coast Wine Central Coast Wine, wow. Uh, double gold at LA International, oh. gold at Chronicle, 92 points in uh, Wine Enthusiast Magazine. So Holy consistently cow. over the years. That's yeah. a nice lineup. Right. Right. It's good right. to get one of those. Yeah, and, uh, yeah right? And when, you he, see, he, when you see it across the board, that's, right. when, that's when you know. This is so, <laughs> it's so unique, but it's just in, so intriguing. Right. Run, give me a bowl of spaghetti, I would know, you please? Right? Right. Time for an oh Italian dish right gosh. now. Oh, wow, this is fantastic. It's really Your wines light. are just all over my tongue, and that's what right. I look for. I mean, I don't want it getting part of it and not yeah. finishing and and there's some nice tannins here but the acid balances out but the tannins very soft like right. it's just you feel it on right. your tongue but it's not I like heavy. what he says sort of a chalky tannin yeah right. yeah that's yeah. a good way to explain beautiful it. yeah because it's not grippy and it's mm. not smooth it's kind of right right in the middle which, mm -hmm. is, which is really yeah. nice just there like this is another one I imagine way down and age for a right. while right right a lot of the correct? That's uh, 17, isn't it? Oh. Is that 16? <laughs> Is this the it's a 16. 16. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No. So, so where did you get sourced most of these these grapes from? Uh, that's uh, those are Paso. The Paso. Uh, a couple of the Bordeaux are are the ones that we're tasting are from Carmel Valley. But I make any wine that I make from Paso, I make from Carmel Valley too. Um, oh. um, so, so like I said, the whole thing about indigenous is more terroir-based wines, and mm -hmm. you know, so you. You'll see, like the Pinot Noir is what we're going to taste next. Mm. You'll, I have Pinot from Edna Valley, which is San Luis Obispo, yeah. Carmel yeah. Valley, which was basically a Bordeaux house, and they've kind of uh, uniquely had Pinot show up there in the last 10 years. Um, 
um, Santa Lucia Highland, which is like a Burgundian fest. That's, yeah, it's the yeah, dream. Right. If it's you want to start showing off Pinots, you have to be in that area, you know. So, so you really, really, really do. Right, right. And um, then now, Santa do you when when you do these, are is it your spice rack that you do, or do you co? Barrel any of these like caramel with passo? No, no, I do yeah. them all unique. That way you could taste like a vertical or a horizontal and taste mm. through the wines and see how terroir has dictated Got different it. areas. I try to usually do the same exact wine, same clones, same barrel, same everything, but they're from uh, different areas. So you can see how right the story that the the terroir has done, not Got what it. I have done. Yeah, yeah. that's. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Again, it's just l allowing the grape to do its right, thing and right, then you exactly. can show the differences. And I know you mentioned with this blend that you, so you fermented each of the grapes in independently right, and exactly. then blended them together. Exactly. And then do they, do you allow them to like kind of macerate together before you bottle or do you kind of all have to All depends on okay. the year. All depends on okay. the year and then how the wines are tasting. Blend. Some of them, the acids and the tannins blend together early and you want to get those together and get them bottled and uh, uh, and tasted them right away. Where some you want eight to ten months laying down, so you can get them a chance to integrate and get softer. Okay, so we're getting ready to Carmel try Valley. the yeah. Carmel Valley seventeen. Pinot. Yeah, and uh, this is a thirteen point four alcohol, yeah. and it's a seventeen. Yeah. So Raymond. Needless to say, we've been through a little bit of craziness here the last few yeah. months with this COVID deal. What have you seen from your side as far as production, just anything like that? What have you seen are some of the biggest changes that have occurred uh, with this COVID? Uh, I think it, it, uh, it, it brings out the old, uh, mm. the old statement of only the strong survive. A lot of people would say, dude, you're crazy. You're still like bottling every once in a while and you're renting out Velcan machines and you're always uh, working for some other winery and you're, you're always doing a ton of stuff. You should just focus on winemaking. And uh, it kind of, I never really skipped a beat because, you know, when COVID came and the tasting room started to shut down, I had the freedom of blowing through a schedule of work that I had that, you know, I was putting off, but I was able to get guys uh, uh, that I consulted for, get some of their wines done, um, jobs that I was doing and bottling up and able to schedule all of those and kind of blow through half of my year schedule and the time that I had. So now. it didn't so hurt you. It didn't hurt me because I kinda was always doing something else. Yeah, you, yeah, know, you were something. diverse. diverse. Right. Yeah, and I think the part about only the strong survive is that I had other options, I always have other options and you know, I think I'm just, I, I just organically have always been doing, you know, um, wine making but also had something else on the side. How long have you had your tasting room open? This one has only been open for two years. I was in a different one in Paso Robles and before that a Tascadero. So I've been in this area. Down in a Tascadero, oh, right. Yeah. Right. You have a pretty good group of followers. How big is, how mu what percentage is your DTC, direct to consumer, versus your wholesale and all that? Yeah, I don't have a big wholesale program at all. Mm -hmm. Not at all. I got a small project with Southern Glacier way out in Florida, but besides that, mm -hmm. I don't do a lot of, uh, I, almost everything is direct to consumer. Got what, it. How, how, about how many cases 
Yes, this year it'll be 1500 you know it's usually been right in the 12 okay. window you know I got a small wine club and the tasting room yes. uh, uh, it, it has to slowly ramp up a little bit more because as I um, am established here in Paso Robles a lot of people remember me from 30 years ago oh. a lot of people will look at me as a new winery but one thing's for sure I have to have a lot more wine to feed this beast than anything else because oh, this tasting room goes through a lot of wine. And I will tell you, this tasting room is so cool. It's such a cool vibe. The interior design of it, uh -huh. which you've I'm done glad I all don't yourself. Live here I would just <laughs> want to come hang out. Just come hang out, and he has this cool music going. Like, yeah, where do you want to meet today? Oh, yeah. back at <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's right. such a great. So if you're in Paso, you. you've got to come check it out. It's right off the square. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, I think your DTC business is getting ready to go yeah. off the hook because we're going to promote these wines. This Pinot Noir. This Pinot is... Uh, Meredith, it's my favorite style of Pinot. The smell is right. intoxicating. It's, it's the, the strawberries and silk. They strawberries and silk. Right. Right. You know, there's oh, two types to me. There's that right. strawberry and silk. Then when you get into that Santa Rita, right. dirty... Right, right. Earthy, know, big there's wines. There's one of those, right. too. Right. Right. It's so smooth. Right. And what we can really tell so up in Sonoma smooth. is if they do the Clure clone, right. uh, it's more of that softer <sighs> strawberry. And if right. they do the... the um, Pomar. Uh, yeah, Pomar or the um, Dijon. Right. It's more dirty. Right. Like the Russian River uses a lot of Dijon down there. Right. This right. I started off in Santa Maria Valley and 100% Martini clone. and. I Martini, think, right, yeah, that's uh, that, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, that was the one that is more diverse. It's one that, you know, you have that raspberry cherry character. You have a small amount of flesh, especially if you grow it in a, uh, uh, like the transverse mountain range of some Santa Maria Valley is perfect for that type of oh, wine. Yeah. And that's where I learned from Ken Brown. So, well, he's um, the he's right, the I bottled for a lot of guys, but, but uh, this guy's intense with... Pinot Noir is him, and he Mike is. Siner is another guy. These two guys have been aficionados and guys yeah, who trained me for These sure. These guys are icons. Sure. So, what I can't believe, and I, I hate to say this. These prices, brother, are, I mean, I'm thinking, I, I mean, $90 to $300 for the, oh, wait a minute, no. No, it's I'm like reading it wrong. Oh, yeah. $25 <laughs> to, I mean. To $50 on the high-end, folks. This is. Pick your phones up, man. <laughs> Go online Get and online. order these. That's wines. what I should say. I assume you do. So I, I think I looked at your website. You sell most everything online. Right. You ship to most most states. I ship to a small amount of states. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ship to Louisiana. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if I get a lot of orders, then I will change and 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 get File a license for that there. State. Right. Yeah. Oh, right, gotcha. Right. So okay. It just depends on what what the what the area's doing, what the, the yeah. public is doing. And if I get more and more orders and wine club members, then I get, you gotta almost, you're forced to get into that state. So, right. yeah. so do you still have some of your wines at restaurants and things in the area? Or in the area, in yeah. The area. The, okay. A lot of the restaurants support you automatically, especially oh. if you're downtown. That's good. That's yeah. cool. Right, okay. but that, that's been characteristic of Paso Robles ever since I've ever been here. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that strong so sense of community. Right, right, right. And then that's, you know, I've done a big charcuterie program before, and I usually right. do just uh, Lulu Farms as an organic farm here. So Ooh, I usually Lulu. do um, their cheese. I mean, she's also a cheese aficionado, so I do the Ooh. cheeses from there, really? uh, the edible flowers, uh, some of their fruits, and 
Um, um, there's uh, Alapea as a guy who makes his own salami from this area. Nice. You know, so you try to be uh, uh, small and, you know, local guys from this area. Just It's a better look and better feel, and you keep your, your money right in this economy. Yeah, yeah. It makes more sure. sense. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it tastes, it tastes better because, you know, you know you're getting those fresh quality right. ingredients that's mm -hmm. right. You know, right in your backyard. That's unique and consistent. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're yeah. like, what? what grows together goes together yeah. so if it's all growing <laughs> yeah. in the same place right it's gonna taste good together so we're pouring your what is your favorite close to your heart your cab sob um i think it looked like it was a 2017 right. and is where's this come from that one's carmel valley carmel valley right. so i can't wait to try this oh but we were also gosh. talking about you grew up in oakland and you go back to Oakland, and what's it like now that you're a winemaker? What are your friends, your family? Did you surprise them with that? Right. Well, in the early stages, it was a surprise. They were thinking, you know, there's not a lot of black winemakers around. It's not a uh, 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 career that's usually established in my demographic. So people would think, you know, all the way from, bro, you're trying to, you know, crash through a uh, a ceiling that you know not a lot of people do so just make sure you don't waste all of your time compared mm -hmm. to dude you out of your mind you, you know what I mean <laughs> you know, that's that's just something that's far-fetched and you know I get it but you'll be back you know yeah. so they thought you'd so. come back to Oakland and yeah are yeah, you yeah. crazy you're doing what right yeah. right right <laughs> right I mean it started out well you know right out of high school I was telling my dad about the sabbatical and you know the different countries I needed to travel to so he gave me the number to the Union Hall so I could uh, uh, finance that trip. Then. Yeah, there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did a, uh, right out of high school, I did a small stint in the shipyards in San Francisco. Who? So oh. where, where uh, wow. the Giants Coliseum is now, it used yeah. to be Pier 38 with service engineering, and I actually worked there as a ship guy. So oh. and a lot of friends are still there. Well, not there, but they're still in those type of businesses. Well, it was a good It was right. a good gig. Right, yeah. right, right. Jordan I worked at Ford yeah. Motor Company. Right, right. It was great money, but... Right, man, $13 was, an hour in 1980, still yeah. living yeah, with my mom. That was... Yeah, that, was <laughs> that was a... That was a window where I could have still... Very easily still could have been there. So this Cabernet is a Carmel Valley, which I... I, like I said, was the most eastern Bordeaux of winemaking in California, I think in North America. And uh, I also have a cab from Paso Robles, where we're from. And uh, I've done them in Santa Maria Valley, which is not uh, usually a place where you find Cabernets. And, and in other areas, and, and the distinct differences that I notice is a lot of times Napa cabs have that more chocolate, yep. you know, mouthfeel character. And... Um, Paso Robles is unique and it's more pomegranate mm. and mm -hmm. and uh, like darker plum notes and Carmel plum. Valley is more raspberry and cherry and the, the, the more pinot fruit flavors uh, uh, um, in, in a Cabernet that makes it unique, bright raspberry and cherry notes and higher acids. It's much, so it's very Raymond. bright and it's so soft right. for a cab, like it's right. a very soft cab. Right. It's exactly exactly how I would love Cabernet Sauvignon to taste. Right. It's right. So, so we have a cab program here where we highlight Paso Robles because that area has, Paso Robles has, it's full of microclimates. Yeah. And that area has, within this small terroir of Paso Robles, it has so many microclimates that 
have different Cabernet. So the basis of the Pet Cab program is Paso Robles, and then we do small lots from Carmel Valley and, uh, and one other, other, depending on what the weather patterns are like. And um, um, these are some that, that um, kind of, like I said, uniquely show the, the um, characteristics of uh, uh, Cabernet, but also the terroir will make the flavor profiles uniquely different, especially the fruit forward part of the cab. Mm, you know, yeah. big Yeah, I noticed Paso has bigger fruit. Right, right, right. Yeah. Bigger fruit and flesh. Side. It's more more pomegranate, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and plum notes, you know, where at Napa's more chocolate notes, Carmel Valley's more raspberry or cherry notes. So mm. Now, is in Carmel Valley, is the climate you know, you, you know that the cold it's air comes cool. down Russia through right. the Bering Straits, and it cuts in right at Carmel. Right. So, what? But the valley, is it moderate? What would you say, or hot? It's, it's unique because it's in a hot area because it's it's a high elevation, but it's a valley of yeah. a high elevation, and it so blocks a lot right. of that cold air. Right. Right. So you'll get the heat. But then you also get a cool afternoon, you know. Oh, good point. And, and good point. Cool. Right, right. 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 And it's it's like the difference in in Santa Lucia Highlands, where yeah. you know you'll get that heat in in the morning, but in the afternoon that wind coming off of the hill will change the temperature so so drastically that it's a perfect area for Burgundian style wines. Yeah. And then when you do your Paso, you'll notice you do notice a little bit, um, like more, more. It's screaming more fruit, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This right. is. This is. So but this is how I love it. I love this. This is a cab I can drink even in the summer because a lot of times when it's really hot, summer right. a big heavy cab just Great doesn't point. sound as satisfying. This is light and soft enough with still all those cab characteristics. Right. But just on the softer side that I feel like I could go drink this tonight. I'm excited, Meredith. I love yeah. I love the philanthropist. I can't I mean my brain's going crazy with yeah. with the various things we can do with that, but what what freaks me out is how much I love it. And these wines are Every one of them, I'm crushing on every single I'm one of crushing. them. And I think it goes back to the name, the Indigene, where it's expression of nature and you're just allowing these wines to express right. themselves. And you can really taste that in the diversity of these. Raymond, you've knocked the ball out of the park. Yeah. I appreciate you it. You really have, brother. This yeah. is unbelievable wines. I kind of I love you and I have a lot of mutual yeah. loves with Teresa yeah. and Jack. I think we're not just crushing on your wine. I think you're going to be another new like, love. This is just and, uh, such right. a fantastic story right. in the wines and. Thank you so much so for your I can time. get you to love the Raiders, we'll be 100%. Oh, uh, yeah, that's going to be a little wild. <laughs> uh, we decided not to talk sports during no. this um, conversation. We do have some diametrically opposed sports situations. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, we'll but get through that with another bottle. Yeah. Right, but uh, thank you so much. And definitely, listeners, if you get out to Paso, come visit and check this out and if anything get online and order some of this wine because it's fantastic oh, gosh, you won't guys. be disappointed a triple a rating on this one <laughs>